Welcome to episode 883 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 883 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. Tell you what, mate, it's it's the darkest time of the year, isn't it? It is. Because we started, we're doing this show after last week's show because I'm, I'm in Bali right now. Uh, it's seven o'clock in the morning. It looks like it's the middle of the night in it New Zealand. It does. It is pitch black. Yeah, it's pitch black. So we're definitely heading towards a lighter time of the year. Uh, Jumbo, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Uh, awesome patrons. And we've got Andrew Too Smooth Maud. Uh, Darren Double O Jones and Ian White Lightning, my old roommate Hoosley. And uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got age group of the week. We've got an interview. We have. Uh, we're going to talk to Jake from Omius, uh, and I might have pronounced that wrong. It's a product I ended up using over in Rote. Um, it's sort of a, a cooling hat. Uh, You're a big visor. fan of it. I thought it worked in really well. Um, and yeah, so we're going to have a chat to him about what the hell is going on and What's where this product's come on? from. Okay, we've got a couple of little things happening out throughout the show. <laughs> <laughs> Just deleted. I was literally about saying he's deleting things on me. Okay, uh, so let's get straight into news. So first of all, we have Lake Placid coming up this weekend. And this is, when we talk about races that have been around for a long time, this is one of those races. It is. And it's the last chance saloon for the boys to qualify oh, really? for... Nice. So what's the field and, like? Well, we don't really know because, again, we're pre-recording this a couple of weeks before it actually happens. But there's there's only one name on there that is of a real interest for me in terms of actually qualifying, and that's Alistair Brownlee. Whether or not he's going to be turning uh. up or not is hard to know because he's had his name on a whole bunch of lists. And isn't, we're not, I'm not criticising him because you've got to enter races. And yeah. if you're injured, you just go, well, I'm just going to enter them all uh, and just hopefully you'll be in shape. So fingers crossed he can... Um, yeah, he do the race, up, doesn't he? Uh, sorry, well, he doesn't. Is have. he injured? Uh, yeah, he's been really injured. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, it's firstly whether he turns up, whether he's in shape to 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 do the race, and what sort of shape he comes out of the race. Because uh, I'm sure if he finishes, he's he's going to be qualifying. Um, there's a few other names on the list. Some decent names, but so like you've got like a Ben Hoffman, Andreas Duritz. Michael Weiss. Cody Beals. Cody Beals. It's a good you know, field. It's no, not, but like people who haven't qualified at least. Mm. You know, so it's not, it's not a, you know, like how many slots they got? Two uh, two male, two females. So yeah. you think like a Brownlee's going to get there, but it's not a given. It's not a given. Um, Joe Skipper, he, he was not sure if he was going to go do this race. He was disappointed with his rope. I did read a little bit of did his. Did you catch up with him? I didn't. No, I didn't see any pros. I was KO'd in the medical yeah. tent. Um, but... I saw his post. So he, I think he ended up fifth, and he just said my numbers were, were really quite good. He didn't. He, I think he ran like a two forty or something like that. But when you don't swim and you're not with the, those front guys on the bike, like he said, there's the best power output I've ever done. Wrote and oh. he runs two forty and he's getting fifth. But who were we talking to recently? And they're saying that that the weaknesses. Who was that? Pro we were talking to Cody Beals. Cody Beals. The weaknesses of. They're just they're, they're too big of a fault now. You yeah. can't really be a bad swimmer now. And this the standard is just and it's a good example of it. Astronomical. Isn't it? Like people are talking about Magnus Ditlev's the greatest ever performance. We probably didn't talk it up enough. Oh and really? People are saying that's the greatest ever performance. I mean, it's the fastest time yeah. we've seen. They just said 
it's mind-blowing how quick he, he went on that day. And so I don't think he's perhaps getting enough credit because he's not a... If Jan Frodeno had done that time, I yeah. think we'd still be talking about it. And it's good that we're talking about Magnus Ditlev, but that was a, his performance and Daniela Reese were astronomically fast. Now, as a day, I know you didn't have a good day, but as a day, was it a fast day overall? Well, it was clear, calm and sunny. It was pretty toasty. I... I Shudder to think how fast they would have gone if it hadn't been that hot on the run. So it was it was about 28, 29. That was what the forecast yeah, was. Warm, yeah. It was pretty toasty. If that had been low 20s, you know, they would have run several minutes quicker than that easily. Uh, so it's just mind-boggling how quick they're going on the bike. It is not a flat course. Yeah, it's a little bit short, but like uh, just mental how fast they're biking. Mm. Uh, so anyway, back to this race, back to Lake Placid. Uh, Alistair Brownlee is down to race, whether he turns up, and he is um, predicted to, to win. Joe Skipper was iffy whether he was going to be turning up or not, but if he does, uh, great athlete. Matt Hansen, Ben Hoffman, Cody Beals, Andreas Dreitz, Michael Weiss, Josh Hamburger. It's, uh, it's a good quality field. Um, it's only says 15% of a Kona field, but you've got some good names there. Uh, 100K, it's a male and female pro race um, on the females side of it. You've got Sarah Crowley, uh, Svenja Tholes, Lauren Brandon and Jodie Robertson in the top four. All four of them have got Kona uh, qualifying slots. Uh, it's only 9% of a, of a Kona field. So again, um, there's going to be some slots rolling down quite a long way there. So it just feels to me that it's not, uh, you know, qualifying is not such a big deal for these athletes now. It's more a case of got to rock up to race and, and you're probably going to be okay. And yeah, but then like if you're a doing a late you race, have to pull this off. Very late get, in the yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah. So it's going back to Didlev, um, what are your thoughts on his chances for the World Championship? Uh, I don't really know what he bikes in the hills like. I'm sure he bikes well. But well, he's bike, going to be a pretty decent biker, doesn't he? It, yeah, but uh, bike handling skills come into play a bit there. So he will certainly be if not the man to beat, one of the men to beat. Um, but some athletes are going to be a bit more, a bit more advantage on on that kind of course. And he's a big dude. Not not he's lanky and tall and skinny. Yeah. Um. But he's a, a bigger athlete compared to some of the smaller guys that might bounce around those hills um, a little bit better. But he's certainly, certainly the guy to beat at the moment. I'd say. So when we look at the qualifying, this is the last male opportunity to qualify for Nice. Now the females still have Sweden and Mount Tremblant. Mont Tremblant. Tremblant. Hopefully they got Mont Tremblant because they had a seventy point three, and this might have been one I was away. Uh, it got cancelled like thirty minutes before the start because of the air quality from from all the fires in oh, Canada. Really? So you know it's still really bad in Canada. Uh, so. Hopefully we don't see any other races in one of the World Triathlon Series. Was it World Cup or World Triathlon Series? It was World Triathlon Series. They, was, they, had, they managed to get the race done on the Saturday, the individuals, but then Sunday was supposed to be a mixed team relay and that got cancelled because of air quality as well. Jeez. One other thing that happened when, while I was away that we didn't mention on last week's show was the 70.3 Andorra and Jan Fredino was back winning. Uh, yeah. So, so that was kind of cool. Uh, he's back I think he's the, the most interesting part about the Nice. Mm. What's he going to do? You know, like, is he going to My confidence is waning a <laughs> bit in terms of not that he can, he, it's not that he can't perform really, really well, but the bar's been shifted a little bit yeah. in the last 12 months. Uh, and and so, we haven't seen a stellar performance from him. Yeah, months. so I think he's going to have to be at his 
absolute best. Probably a bit of luck as to well. To be competitive. Yeah. Uh, at the front. And by competitive, I mean on the podium. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly he's in the in the mix, but a few, few years ago, it's like, he's winning it. No, yeah. no, no question. I think he's 41 or 42 now. Yeah. You know, uh, your day goes. It does. Um, our females, our older females, uh, our top females are, are older as well. You know, you think Anne Haug, who was second in Roach, she's 40. Um, yeah, there's da- that thing that females have always lasted longer. They have. Daniela Reef's 36. Uh, Jeez, I always thought she was older. All right. You know, yeah. like, you know, cause she's I'll been, pass it on to her next time I see you. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, not, not because yeah. of anything other than she's been around for a long time winning races. You know, mm. like, mm. you know, like, and she she's probably at 36 years old, she's got another three years of quality racing in front of her. At the other end of the scale, on the boys' side, it's like a young man's game. Ditlev's only 25. Um, <laughs> really? And he's currently ranked number three. So he's so far this year, he's did Challenge Rope, took that out, got third at the European Open PTO race. Last year, won Cozumel, third and uh, third at the World 70.3 Champs, only eighth in Hawaii, uh, second at the US Open, first at Challenge Rote, second at Ironman Texas. So he hasn't done a lot of racing so far this year. Um, I imagine he's probably going to do the PTO races or the 70.3 World Champs, but um, yeah, he is definitely a man on a mission. Okay, the question I have, well, not question, but I was, I didn't know this was the case, but Daniela's gone back to Brett Sutton. Did you know oh, that? really? Yeah. No. Yeah. And mm. you'd argue it's working. Definitely. Yeah. I thought I saw a one-liner somewhere that she's training less and going faster now. Uh, well, th- admittedly, I haven't done my research on someone else's telling me this. Let's have a look. Is Daniela... Um, I'll, I'll go through a little bit more with uh, with with Lake Placid while Bevan looks into that. Uh, as he said, it's been around for a long time. First race looks like it was in 1999. Good old Thomas Hellregel took that race out in 8:36, uh, and Heather Fuhr, who is very involved with Ironman, took out the females race, uh, and she won it multiple times. She's got one, two, three, four, five-time winner. Um, was she and then on the boys side a few interesting names there as well Steve the late Steve Larson who was a ex-pro cyclist uh, who really came and lit up the sport a bit he took it out in 2001 Simon Lessing it was one of the few times that he did a great iron distance race he won it in 2004 Andy Potts has won it a couple of times but yeah over the last few you know, since 2016, we kind of had a male-female only pro race. Um, the last few years, uh, it has been a both genders. And last year's winner was Cody Beals on the boys' side with an 8.15. And Sarah True on the female side with a 9 hours and 21. So, um, yeah, I've never done the race, never been there. Whenever I see the pictures, it looks like a pretty cool place to, to go and do a race. Okay, so Reese. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just trying to read the article as you're talking about. Uh, let's see if I can pick out any other names that uh, that are racing this year that might be of interest. Um, looking like they're making their debut is Veronic Ranger from Canada, unrated. Uh, and we've got about five boys um, that are racing that have not done an iron distance race. Any other names on here? Igor, Igor Amarile, who's seeded number 10th from Brazil. He's been around forever. Um, and Josh Amberger, who is Ashley Gentle's 
husband is racing. Okay, so here we go. So returning to Sutton, so this is from uh, Triathlete Magazine in Canada. Um, I think Kevin McKinley, remember him? He's, Kevin McKinnon? Yeah, he's been around forever. Uh, he's just got here. Um, in January, Reef decided it was time to start working with Sutton again, even though he's now based in China, where he's working in de- to develop the Chinese team. Wait a second, huh. it's got a pop-up here. Um, now 36, and with the 2024 Women's tri- World tri- Championship taking place in Nice, Reeves told the Swiss newspaper that it's clear to me that this year I have one chance to win in Kona. One last chance to win in Kona. Mm. So she sees the end of her career coming. Uh, Sutton is renowned as his old school approach to training. There's no lactic acid test or deep dives into power analysis. That's the stark contrast to the data-driven approach that we're starting to see dominate the coaching language. Uh, he knows me very well and knows when to push me and slow me down, she says. So there, mm. you, go. there you go. And that was in May. Right. So, and it's since then she's been killing it. She has been on fire. Something's happening. It wasn't just Roach. She had another performance somewhere. um, Was it? Was it um, the seventy point three? Wasn't it? Uh, Let me have a look. Was it it Ibiza? No, it wasn't. I don't think she went to. No, she didn't go. Well, she didn't finish there. Uh, It was the Switzerland seventy point three in June. Uh, I just remember she. Absolutely annihilated it. Yeah, she raced. Well, no, she raced against actually gentle. She won by two minutes, so I wouldn't say she annihilated. She annihilated them on the bike. So she swam 24, which was the same as actually gentle, then rode a 214. Um, and most of the other females on that day were actually gentle, was the next best at 220s, put six minutes into her, and then only needed to run 122. How much pressure she was under, I don't know, but still won by, by two minutes over actually gentle, who at the moment is the hottest property in terms of of you know, half Ironman racing so that was pretty impressive so look out for Daniela Reef uh, in Nice no in Nice and she's going to Kona My th- your thoughts on having a picture of a goat on her page in PTO uh, I don't like I, well, you guys know I hate the term goat she's the greatest of her generation um, but greatest of all time no such thing it's a bit silly really isn't it mm. like from the PTO the organisation mm. you know like Interesting. Anyway, Jombo, let's go back to show notes here. So, um, where are we? So, women still have a couple of chances to qualify for for uh, for Kona in Sweden and Montreal, but after this weekend, that is it for the boys. Okay, your quiz question: Who won Ironman World Championships in two thousand? I think I know this one. All right, hey. I think I've got this one. Mm. I could be wrong, but let's look into it later on. Okay, we've got an interview coming up. We have. We're going to talk from Jake from Omius, um, and you're going to hear about this product that I used over in Rote. Here we go. You will have heard over in Rote that I was testing a bit of new product over there. I was we we're at the expo, and I've got to say, at Challenge Rote, the expo is off the charts. Yeah, it's it was, awesome, it isn't is it? massive. And I was wandering around the expo, and um, one of our camp athletes, uh, Albert Boyce, he was at a stand, and I thought, what's he doing? And he was he was picking up a visor, um, and I just thought, what's going on there? And he says, oh, no, you've got to check this out. All the pros were using them in Kona last year. And I, so I went back to the hotel and looked at it, and I thought, I need this product for this weekend. It's going to be really hot on the run and I need every little bit of advantage I can get in terms of trying to keep myself cool. So got in touch with the team at Omius uh, and uh, they and, yeah, use the product on race day and I'll talk through my experiences uh, a little bit later on. And we've got Jake on the line to talk through his product that I had never seen prior to going to Rote. And if I had been paying attention to the Kona coverage last year, I would have seen it. Luckily, Albert was. Uh, and so I just thought it's a, a unique product that I thought would be worth discussing with you guys. So, Jake, welcome along to the show. Thank you so very much. 
Um, before we came on, you were just sort of uh, talking to us a little bit about how this company got founded, and you mentioned 2013. And I thought, geez, it's been around. The idea's been around for a while. Um, we'll talk about what the product actually is uh, in a moment, but tell us about yeah. where this where this company's come from. Yeah, so the company uh, is sort of the brainchild, or the technology, I should say, is the brainchild of Gustavo Cadena, uh, who um, back in 2013 um, was living down in Monterey, Mexico, and it was brutally hot, and he was really not doing well in the heat. Um, he doesn't exchange heat well, and he was like, this is, this is really awful. And um, he was studying physics at the time. And he said, you know, why don't I combine my physics studies with trying to solve this problem of managing heat in extreme climates and, of course, also in um, when you're doing physical activity. So he started working on ideas way back then, and they took all kinds of forms. It was certainly not the product or the technology that we ended up with uh, today. Um, you know, he just began to design vests with cooling elements in them for motorcycle riding, um, tried all kinds of different variations on it, uh, but slowly but surely iterated to a place um, where uh, he had a technology that would A, work, of course, but also had the characteristic of not needing any energy uh, to really drive it. Uh, so the technology is is relatively straightforward in some ways and very difficult in other ways. And it mimics the way that the body naturally uh, cools itself. So if you think about what happens uh, with the human body today, it's really evaporative cooling that is driving your ability to stay cool during hot times or times of exertion. So when you get hot, you sweat. And that sweat on the surface of your skin uh, evaporates. And that's an endothermic reaction that requires heat to get absorbed. So what happens is that as the water is evaporating from the skin, it is naturally pulling heat away from your body and cools yourself, which, of course, is why when you dehydrate and you can't sweat, um, you have a serious problem with overheating. So Gustavo sort of latched on to that idea and said, why can't we just accelerate that process? And that's exactly uh, what he then began to work on. Um, with some different technologies, again, went through, you know, I don't know how many iterations, hundreds of iterations of trying to figure out the right technology, uh, the right materials, the right coatings and all of that stuff. And so today, the product that you see today is really an output of that. It is a graphite material that's porous, so it can contain water. Um, and it is coated in a hydrophilic solution so that it absorbs water and holds on to water. And then when you have a little bit of airflow across it, and it's, um, then the water evaporates. And because the graphite is hyper con uh, thermally conductive, what happens is it pulls the heat from the back of those grids that you see on people's foreheads. And that way it, it basically accelerates the surface area that you can evaporate water about five times and therefore creates an accelerated cooling effect on the forehead, which is where these grids sit when we put them into the hats and the visors and the headbands. And that's really um, the essence of the technology. Um, so, so uh, very neat, very simple. If we just explain what it is, you know, so yep. you've got, it's basically a, a hat, a visor or a headband. Um, and, Correct. And so it's, 
in terms of the visor, it's a, it's a stock standard visor. They're actually really comfortable and look really cool. But basically for people, if, if you've never seen this before, across the forehead, you've basically got this grid. Um, and within that grid, you've essentially got, you can explain what they are, but they're basically these sort of stony type um, little things that you, you insert in there. So all the way across your forehead, you've got this this grid yep. of essentially, essentially stones, uh, and they're sort of doing the technology. So... Um, yeah, maybe just talk us through some if, if you know much about the trials and tribulations of getting to that end product um, and some of the challenges perhaps you face in terms of the materials you use and, and maybe explain what that material is that's actually sitting on your forehead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, you know, it, you know, it, trials and tribulations, you know, when you have startup companies, it's really a, a process, almost any, I've been through a couple of them by now, and it's all trials and tribulations, but it's really a method of testing something, measuring whether it works, analyzing the data, and then iterating and iterating and iterating and iterating. And that's really what Gustavo did. Uh, he went through different kinds of materials. I'm not exactly sure which materials he tested, but went through lots of different materials, uh, did lots of different um, formulations on that hydrophilic solution that's really key to the product that absorbs the water and holds on to the water in that graphite um, and so you know we tested it in in you know we tested in a wristband that we tried we tested it for initially in a headband and then evolved it into a hat and a visor but what the thing that makes it so really unique and and powerful is that it has this tremendous cooling effect but it's not battery driven. It doesn't have an energy source. It's very, very light. And the only two things that it really needs in order for it to work is for it to have um, water. And so uh, squirting water on it every once in a while, and then have a little bit of airflow. You don't need a lot of airflow, but you get enough airflow just from walking or from running. Um, and then it essentially keeps cooling forever. As long as it's wet and as long as you're moving, the headband will cool and it will keep cooling. So when you're running a marathon, it'll cool the entire time from start to finish at the same rate based on the evaporation of this water. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful characteristic and the tiles don't wear out. Um, you know, the cooling pieces, they, they are made of graphite and you simply just um, wet them and then when you're done, you put the visor away, they dry up. And as soon as you want to use it again, you just pour water on the, the cooling pieces. And as soon as you start moving, they'll feel cold. And so really neat technology without much maintenance at all. You, you do, of course, need to wash it you know, every once in a while, both for hygienic reasons, but also to keep some of the salts and other impurities away from the, from the graphite. But other than that, it, it's pretty straightforward and, and, and very powerful. And so you, you talk, talk us through your sort of runway to where you are now, because as I said, maybe I should have been paying attention, but I wasn't aware of the product <laughs> until I got to, to wrote. Um, and there was obviously pros using it uh, last year. So 2022 uh, Ironman World Champs. So, you know, COVID yeah. obviously screwed things up, but what's, what's your runway been like to, to where you are now? Yeah, don't don't feel bad. Um, you know, we have we we have we have not done a whole lot of marketing. Um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, we launched the product back in two thousand and nineteen, and I'll go through the story of how we did that. But 
you know, we launched it with a product where the, 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 the headband itself had no markings on it at all. It was just a white headband. We didn't even have our name on there. We were just essentially making these at the time we were making them in, in, in uh, Gustavo's living room and uh, very much bootstrapped. And we didn't put our name on there. So for the first three years of the company, we probably had a thousand or two thousand people buy these things with no name on it at all. So nobody had any idea that Omius even existed. And so, you know, we would go out and go, hey, you heard of Omius? And we see all these people without headbands and they're like, no, never heard of it. And we were like, well, how, how about the headband with, the, you know, the weird cooling tiles? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely heard of that one. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, don't feel bad that you haven't heard of us. Um, but the commercialization phase of the company really started back in 2019. We, we had sold, we had created a website and we just sold some here and there. Uh, but then we went to Kona in 2019, essentially just with a suitcase. We had, I think, brought 50 or 60 headbands with us. And we camped out at uh, breakfast with Bob. And every single time one of the pros came off the interview, you know, there we would be basically accosting these poor people saying, Hey, listen, you know, you should really try this. It's a cooling technology. It works great. And, you know, and, and for some reason, you know, the, the tri community is such an open, wonderful, warm, engaging community. I think, you know, some combination of having a promise of helping them in the heat in Kona, but also just being great, you know, great friendly people. They were like, yeah, let me give it a shot and I'll give you my feedback. And so we handed out, I think we handed out in that first week, handed out 40 or 50 of these. And when, you know, race time finally came around, we had, I think, 40 people run with it at race time, including two of the top three finishers and two of the top three finishers on the, on, on both the men and the women's side. Mm. So it was a, you know, a runaway success uh, that year. I remember Ann Hawk won mm. and was wearing it and T.O. came in second and, um, was wearing it and Lucy wore it. And so it was just, it was really fabulous. So that was really the launch of the technology um, sort of it's coming out party. Um, and then unfortunately, of course, COVID hit and the races stopped and we really didn't have much traction and people weren't really racing. So um, we, we put a little bit of a hold on things. We hadn't raised any money. We had, we had basically $50 in the bank account. Mm -hmm. And, you know, still making these out of Gustavo's uh, living room. And so come 2022, we put our heads together and say, well, let, let's go and see if we can make a real run at this. And we start up again and we develop uh, two new products, um, a hat and a visor. Uh, before initially, it was just the, um, the headband. And uh, this time we did remember to put the logo on there so that you actually know which product it is that you're wearing. Um, and then uh, essentially, you know, 2023 here has been the first real year where we've been pushing hard on our marketing efforts. And we've been really blessed and, and really lucky because, you know, we have probably, I would say, 50 or 60 pros who have the headband. And at any given time, I don't know how many of them are, are actually using it at rest time, but a very high percentage of them use it and um, find value in it. And that, that's obviously helping us tremendously with uh, um, engagement. Uh, but at the same time, we have gone out and begun to engage with triathlon teams. So if anybody out there is listening and uh, has a triathlon team, we have partners with lots of triathlon team and provide a discount to the teams um, for access to the product. 
Um, and that's been very successful and been, and been a good way for us uh, to get some reach and get the word out through the, the teams. Uh, we started selling it with the feed, um, the online marketplace, the feed. Um, so that's another place you can get it. But other than that, it's really just about being out there. We've gone, we were at Roth here uh, a couple of weeks ago. We'll be in Singapore uh, this month or next month, I'm sorry. And then we'll be, of course, in Nice and in Kona this year. And we'll probably be at three or four other events um, uh, here during the, the season. So, so we're just trying to get it out there. So, so with regards to, um, obviously, you're kind of in that kind of past development stage trying to kind of build your, your business. But have you had an opportunity to do yep. much science testing around it? Like we know that cooling and hot races is obviously going to be beneficial. But have you had much yep. chance to kind of get some proof in, in the product? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And, and the answer is we are actually working on that. We have probably four or five studies going at this point to get it to work. Um, the one thing we're pretty sure about is that we, we don't reduce core temperature. Um, that's not one of the advantages of this. And people often think of this, go, oh, you put it on your forehead, you're not going to get the effect because there isn't really enough cooling power to reduce the core temperature. And the body is really very resistant to moving body temperature and your core temperature around anyway. But that's, you know, it looks like that's really not the point. The point is that we get very local cooling at the head mm. where you get some real changes in brain chemistry that allows you to feel better and be able to exert yourself greater um, mm. to, to a greater extent without, um, you know, having those negative effects of the heat. So we think that that's where the, the benefit comes from. And, and we have, as I said, probably four or five studies going now uh, with various uh, researchers, some in Australia, some in England, um, some in the US. Um, and hopefully within the next you know, couple of months, we should begin to see some of those studies coming out. Um, because it'll be good to be able to put some science behind those empirical observations, right? I, I don't know what your experience was, but you know, certainly my own experience is that there is a marked and really noticeable difference in my ability to perform during hot times with this on. So there's something there, and it's just a question of how you, you do the science behind it. I guess one of the things would be, you know, you, you said you've provided it to pros, and I imagine you haven't got uh, multi-million dollar contracts with them, and if they're using it, um, there's probably some good in there, but I'll go no. stuff at a moment. Um, in terms of... No, that's actually a good point, right? We don't pay any of the athletes. Yeah. We, we have no budget, right? We, we are a totally bootstrapped, no money company. So not zero of our pros that wear it, wear it because we pay them. Yeah. And, you know, they got it in 2019 and the headband we gave to them in 2019, they're still using it today. Okay, nice. Uh, right, three years later. Um, just, and this is partly for my, my reference as well. Are there any do's and mm -hmm. don'ts in terms of what you've learned so far in terms of the effectiveness of the product? Um, you know, you talked about the airflow mm -hmm. and keeping a little bit of moisture on there. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any mm -hmm. do's and don'ts in terms of getting it right uh, and for sort of maximal performance? Well, you know, there, there are some small ones, but it's really a super easy product to, mm. to, to, um, to have, right? As I said, all you have to do is put the headband on, wet it, mm. and move. <laughs> so the trick is don't stop running. <laughs> um, I, I almost uh, said that a couple but, of times in the race, but yeah, <laughs> didn't, didn't stop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that, that helps. But other than that, it has to sit flush on the forehead. Um, because that's where we get the max, maximum cooling effect. 
Um, and then you have to take care of, you have to wash it a little bit, um, you know, not after every race, but, you know, periodically you have to wash it to get the salts off. But other than that, it's really a super simple product with very low maintenance needs that lasts for a very long time. Um, the only other thing I would say is that the, the, the carbon, the, sorry, the graphite um, cooling pieces, they are a bit brittle. That means that they can break. So if you, for example, hit it on a hard surface, or if you wipe your head too forcefully with your hand, they will break. Um, back in you know beginning of 2023, we were having a little bit of an issue with that. And so we, we, we redesigned the cooling pieces um, um, with a little bit, it doesn't really matter, but a, a rubber skirt on it that has increased the door ability of the pieces tremendously. So it's, it's much less of an issue, but that's the only other thing I would say is you just have to be careful with it and treat it like a nice pair of sunglasses where you wouldn't just throw your sunglasses, you know, your, your, your beautiful, you know, Oakley or, you know, Maui gym sunglasses in a, in a bag and let, let them scratch. This is a little bit the same thing. Awesome. Um, I'll, I'll talk through my experiences in a moment, but you know it is a premium product. Mm -hmm. it's, the cool thing is, it's not something. I guess the advantage for you guys and disadvantage is once you've got one, you've kind of got one, and I know that they will yep. wear out over time. But I think some people will go, "Oh, that's quite that's quite a bit of money for a, for a visor," but it's like it's going to last for a, yep. for a long long period of time. Yeah, we we think of it. We we try not to use words as visor, hat, and and and. Uh, headband for the for that exact reason right this is really a technology right it's a technology that is embedded into one of those products we we're doing some r d products now to maybe build it into a wrist guard as well oh. we're looking at maybe building into the bike kits um, so that you get this extreme cooling when you're biking as well so it's really a platform technology for us mm. to deploy in many many different ways and the hat and the visor and the headband is just the first form factor for that. So, you know, we, we sell it separately. We sell the hat and the visor and the headband separately. And then the cooling pieces are the ones that are obviously expensive. The hat and the visor and the headband are, are you know, $25, 30 $35. But it's the cooling pieces, the technology, that's the expensive piece here. You're talking about developing new pathways. Any, anything to reveal? No, nothing yet. We're, we, we're partnering with some different people to try to figure out how to deploy this in different ways that's, that's helpful. So we, we early on did a prototype with some wrist guards um, where you wear them on your wrist. A couple of people ran with those. So that might be the next iteration of this. Um, and then we're testing because of the rigidity of the cooling pieces and they're, they're sort of, they are fragile. We're trying to figure out how to keep them on the skin um, in, in, for example, a bike kit. Um, but again, that's far out. It's not something we have now. It's not something that's on the immediate horizon. But the point is that we're, we're just trying to deploy the technology in the best form factor that we can for different applications. Full body armor. <laughs> would be that practical, but... Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting if we do that. Maybe somebody looks like a Robocop coming down the road. Awesome. No, I love uh, talking to people with, with, with new companies and startups and, and uh, Triathlon is one of those places where it is very innovative. So love your work so far um, and keep it up. You guys, if you want to check it out, omius.io, um, you go and check it out. I unfortunately won't be using the product for a little period because looking out the window, it's uh, dark and cloudy and cold and 
I think the next time I'll be using it will be in the Kona 70.3 next year where it will definitely be deployed. So, Jake, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. John, but your thoughts? Yeah, so that was a, I enjoy doing interviews like that. Product innovation is really, really cool. What um, question I have for you, how heavy is it? Not heavy at all. It's like okay, wearing, wearing it a particular looks, visor. Because it looks, they look like little pieces of concrete. I know they're not. And yeah. the graphite, and graphite's light. Yeah. But I just kind of wonder, when you add the water, did it feel heavy? No, and unnoticeable. So, A, the quality of the visor is really cool. And these guys aren't sponsoring the show or anything like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, unnoticeable. When you put it on, same same weight. Um, but when I got it, um, it was friggin' hot. We are at the, the expo. And uh, we're having to wait for a few other people, so I thought I'll, I'll put it together. The, the top section, it's just like this grid, and you, when you when you purchase it, the, check out the link, the, you'll see it. Yes, yeah. all the stones come in this little um, wooden box, so you got to sit there and you got to insert them all in there. It's not complicated at all, but you just got to spend five minutes. And I was waiting to, to to meet a few people, so I did that, and we chucked it on. I was just sitting out in uh, these sort of this food court area and um, put it on. Initially, thought oh, okay, feels feels okay. Doesn't it's not cooling. It doesn't feel like it's doing much. Wandered around a bit, came and sat back down, sort of took it off, showed some people. And as soon as I took it off, I went, Jesus, that's um, quite a noticeable difference. Mm. Um, and Jake and actually said that post the interview, we were talking to Jake and he was saying that uh, it's, people, because it, it regulates your whole temperature and you forget that it's actually working. It just becomes and even normal. And even if you just move it a little bit, you actually realise how effective it is. Yeah, so once I took it off, I went, oh, Jesus, that makes a difference. I'm definitely wearing this. So it's like that case of never try anything new on, pro- on race day. I was like... This is can't really go wrong with this, Um, and I did notice in the race whilst it was bloody hot and I was really struggling with my legs, um, I didn't feel like I was massively overheating. I was getting bloody hot, but I I, I genuinely think it made a nice difference. Um, It's not a complete massive game changer, but it was quite noticeable, and and it just makes you feel that little bit better. So um, yeah, I think so. So you would recommend it. I'd recommend it. And I think a lot of people will balk at the price. Um, it's a couple of bucks US. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's a visor. But it's like, you buy one of these, that's lasting. If you don't race that frequently and you're not going to use it heaps, that's lasting you a long time. Well, it seems like based on their website, they've got a pretty long life on the graphite. Now, mm. obviously, hats are going to come and go, but you can pick one up for 20 bucks. So. And when, when I just put it into perspective, you think, I'm going to spend you know, 400 bucks on an aero helmet. I'm going to spend 200 bucks every time I buy a pair of running shoes. I think it's a worthwhile investment. Mm. Um, for, especially for, for hot races. For, especially for hot races, but even for whenever you can keep yourself a little bit cooler, it's going to make a difference. So, um, yeah. Are you going to a rave? You know, when you're on a dance floor at a rave, it's yeah. really hot. Take that. Exactly. Put some fluoro on it. Yeah. Hey. So I got the visor. Um, what I would do if I was going to do... Because I've got a headband as well, haven't they? A, yeah, Kona or something like that where you get ice on the course. Get then I would well. I would use the cap so you can have the ice underneath. Um but the visor's good because you get that little bit of sun protection. Um, I'm not into headbands, but people that are, that's all good. But um, I'd definitely get, for Kona, I would get the um, the cap version. So if you're interested in getting one, go to www. Now the website, what's, how do you say the name? Omius. And the website is dot, www.omius.io. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Group of the week. Okay, so this is from Sam Cussworth. And it's going, I'm sending this a nomination of my coach, Paul Pat Walkington. Just before we start this, I'm pretty sure we haven't done this one, but it was in our show notes before I went to wrote. No, we I'm didn't. Pretty do sure it. we skipped no, it. No, we did, we did because we had a long show. Yes. And today we've got a short show, so this works yep. quite well. Uh, he's recently written a blog about his own experience of returning to the sport in all capacities after having a few injuries over the past year. 
I've attached a blog post below. I gave it a read last week and I think it's an amazing example to help or inspire others to keep going in whatever they do, especially when they are injured. To add to the blog post, he's coached me for three years now. I came to him with zero experience of triathlon and in that time I've achieved things that I couldn't have dreamed of. He's an incredible, thoughtful and generous person and is always there for the people around him, family, friends and athletes that he coaches. He puts others before himself and sees the success of others as a priority over his own. I couldn't think of a better nomination for Age Group of the Week. So basically we've got his post here. It's not often coaches talk about themselves, but in their own trials and tribulations. So, <laughs> Unless you listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I'd break that trend and hope that my journey over the last 18 months might help someone else. For those who don't know, um, when I'm on the start line, I try to be competitive, often breaking five hours and a half iron distance race. But everything I did ended up on, this last, uh, on the line last year when a dodgy knee and a dodgy shoulder brought me to a complete still. So basically a knee surgery in September 2022, going from 10 plus hours of training a week over the last 10 years, week in, week out, to not being able to train at all is a bitter swirl to follow. Sorry. Um, so basically he ends up doing Mallorca in 70.3 in May 23 was the target, but no sub five hour target this time. I was honestly just happy to be uh, in the thought that as long as I got to the finish on the race, everything would be okay. So basically, we kind of John's highlighted sections of this. So spurred on by two athletes I coach who were doing the race as well, I knew I couldn't let them down. I didn't really think about the swim. I knew I would get around, so I held back, relaxed, swam around and enjoyed it. Imagine the surprise when one of my quickest 70 points swing times came to date. Uh, I think a lot of this was down to the endless pool sessions that I really force you to work on your symmet uh, symmetry and swim in very straight and streamlined. Uh, he'd done the, the Morocco bike course. My mistake was trying to ride the first half of the course at power numbers from when I'd raced here in 2017 when my FTP was 50 watts more than what it currently is. That came a bit to bite me back in the last 20 miles of the bike. So then when he came onto the run, I knew I, was going to, I wasn't going to be speedy. Uh, but luckily the knee held out and ultimately, well, we got here going, so... Not his best race, not his fastest. Five hours, 35 minutes and 21 seconds. He got his nutrition right, but he's saying it's not his best race, not his fastest race, but it was definitely one race where I could be very proud that I got to the finish line. Time to start a new chapter, onwards and upwards. So that was from Sam Cusworth and he was yeah, nominating his coach who had lots of trials and tribulations to get back to the start line uh, and his coach is called Pat Walkington and he did it and I think that's uh, one of the really important things here for me is you know he came back from adversity um, having having to have surgery and when he's come back he knows he's not going to be as fast as what he was previously but still getting that satisfaction out of racing and I think that's a really yeah, important thing. And I think also thing. one thing is shifting your why mm -hmm. you know like um for people who have been competitive their whole athletic career, it's, it's a big part of your identity is that mm. I turn up and, and so on and so on. And sometimes, and that, that can often keep people in an injury loop because mm -hmm. what happens is they come back from injury and they want to be what they, they're chasing their old why, but their body's not ready for it. Mm -hmm. Now it's not that you can't get back to that, but sometimes you just got to shift your why into my why right now is just to be participating in the sport, enjoying the sport, you know, 
just getting to the finish line. Mm. And it seems that based on Pat's report here is he was very satisfied with the race, which traditionally based on the time that he got and maybe how he raced, he'd be really disappointed in, but by shifting that why. And I just think it's a really important thing to do when we get injured. Like right now I'm going through a pretty bad injury mm. and my wife for exercise is just maintaining a base level that's good for me, mm. you know, and, and mental health to be honest. Mm. Um, and I'm not, what I want to be with my movement, but as long as I can keep those things in place, it means I can navigate this time healthily, both in looking after myself, but also not being disappointed in what I currently are. And I think a lot of people, when they get to injury, they're chasing their old self too quickly. It leads to disappointment, it leads to poor decisions, and it often keeps them in the same place. Hmm. And so I, I, I do often think that sometimes in, in an athletic journey, we just need to sit back and go, what's my why of this time? And a really good example of that outside of injury is when life is really busy. Mm-hmm. And like I'll see this with our runners where we'll get people who are more of our better runners who are doing you know competitive running at like half Ironman or half marathon and marathons. And you just see that they're in an overload time in life. Mm-hmm. And But the problem is they come to running fatigued. <clears throat> they're the kind of person who will keep turning up. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't lack consistency, but they just can't run how they normally want to because they're just so fatigued from life. But then what happens is they become disappointed with their running. Mm-hmm. So then running becomes a pile-on as well. So they feel fatigued. It becomes fatig- a chore as yeah, well. Yeah, and so there's no enjoyment in their running. And as a coach, I will often talk to people in those moments and I'll just say, hey, look, your life is so busy right now. This isn't performance time for running. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll be moments in the future we can get you back to performance. You're, you're running right now is purely mental health and, and mm-hmm. a release moment. And you can see that as a, when you give people the permission to do that, it's almost like as soon as I say that to them, the weight goes off their shoulders mm-hmm. and suddenly they can just get back to enjoying their running. And I just think that that ability to understand the why in moments of your life. Now, there are moments where it is about I'm trying to be peak self mm-hmm. and I'm trying to evolve to a higher level. And in those moments, you were trying to learn that. But for Pat, his why right now was just, you know what, get to the finish line and enjoy the experience. And it's a really good skill to have if you want to have a long-term movement career because there will be times that if the wrong why will actually push you away from movement mm. and so and make it unenjoyable and we need to get that right. So, so Pat Walkington, you are a wanger uh, age group of the week. week. <laughs> there we go. Uh, let's talk about website uh, of the week. week. Okay, Garmin. I got frustrated, Bevan. I got really frustrated. So this is a bit of a rant of the week. Here we go. Because when you buy a Garmin unit, um, so last year I bought a, an 830, um, which, is, which is a bike computer. Okay. Bought it when I was over in Kona because my uh, my other old Garmin, which had served me really well, do love Garmin products, but it shat the bed, uh, stopped working, needed to get one, basically bought it two days before the race. Okay. When you buy a, a, a unit, um, it's going to have the maps loaded for that particular geographical area. Um, so basically, and then you New, download New ones, Zealand, and then you can, in theory, go and download maps for different parts of the world. Okay. Um, so I've got my unit going over to Germany, thinking, right, okay, I need to get the German maps, uh, or not German maps. I need to buy the Europe maps. Did that. Um, it's not insanely expensive. It's like forty bucks New Zealand. So probably I don't know thirty. 20, 30 bucks American, something okay. like that. And thinking, okay, well, this will be pretty straightforward. You buy it, download it, transfer it across to Easy your, to your unit. Easy as. Times we live in. Doesn't happen. Oh. So you're basically trying to do it. You're trying to copy this file across. It's a ginormous file because it is the whole of Europe. Yep. And and it says not enough storage. And I'm thinking, this unit's <laughs> Back not, even, not even a year old. And I can't bloody copy across some maps here. And so you had to go through this convoluted process. You had to be deleting really important files off your bike unit uh, and saying, delete 
you can it wasn't even really an official page so you delete these files don't delete these ones just oh, delete really? these ones and so you're going oh, okay I would delete that did that still copy across still not enough but it just didn't work I was like far out and I didn't know it hadn't worked until I actually got to Europe and you load it up and there's no maps on oh, there. I'm like, no what bro. the hell uh, so I was pretty frustrated that A I paid money B it was an easy solution yeah, just and on C device, it didn't work <laughs> is this a bit like you can say I'm going from here to here do you, do you route your map beforehand or can you do those types of things yes yeah, so if, if you've never followed a map on a Garmin before it is fantastic because it's basically like having your Google yeah. Maps in the car. Yeah. And so on a, on a road course, there's lots of twists and turns uh, and lots of little streets that you, you've got to go down. And so you'd be coming up to the corner and it'll go beep and it'll say, right, we're turning in 170 metres. When you get to that corner, it'll direct you around. Absolute gold, must have for road, must have for any of the camps I do in Europe, like when we go to France and so on. Do people use phones? Because I'm so out of touch with these types of things. Do people use phones with apps that do that as well? Uh, you can do, but you'd have to probably have them plugged into your ears. Um, okay. or you, some, some people put phones on there. The, the the really latest units and some of the Garmin ones have worldwide maps, so this isn't a problem. Okay. But for for slightly older units, and for like 830 that I've got that's only a year old, um, it only has enough capacity for certain areas. So, so you were frustrated and you needed an answer. Frustrated. Uh, and then, so I came across um, a YouTube that uh, GP Lama had done. So he's kind of the the YouTube version of DC Rainmaker. Okay. So DC Rainmaker, for those that don't know, he does amazing Everybody's. long um, blog posts on product reviews on basically tech. Awesome at what Sports he does. Sports tech. Sports tech. And the posts that he does are just so anal. We've had him on the podcast before, but he'll, he'll write a... 10 page summary of the new watch comparing it to all the different yeah. uh, watches and why you shouldn't buy this why you should uh, and then GP Lama is basically does YouTube clips on similar sort of stuff so what he's done is one uh, and we'll have a link in the show notes and it's linking to a website called BB Bike uh, and what you can basically do with this A it's free which is fantastic but it's, and it's even it's much more up to date than Garmin. You can basically go in and select certain geographical areas and then you basically select it with this just selection tool, download that particular area, the file is way smaller and you copy it straight across. It took me five minutes to do it. Oh wow. It was free. And, and it still looks the same on your device? It's a bit better because huh. it's, it's, it's much more up to date. So I think it's using the latest Google Maps. Uh, and so any little additional side streets or anything like that, it's updated. Oh, it's a pretty uh, basic site too, isn't it? It's pretty basic. There's a couple of steps to go through, but it's a shitload easier than what you do if you buy the Garmin Maps. So if you're somebody that's not living in Europe and you're going to Europe, um, follow this link that uh, GP Lama has done. He talks, talks you through it. Did you donate to the person? Uh, of course I did, Bevan. Of course you did. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a, a work through for a problem that shouldn't be a problem that there really is. It's like, it looks like a bit of a Thorsten. You know, it looks like a person who just wants to solve a problem. Mm. Like the website's very basic, obviously works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they ask for a bit of a chuck a bit of coin my way if you're going to donate. But I'll tell you what, instead of buying maps from Garmin, you go here. Absolutely. Chuck a donation, it'll be cheaper anyway. Mm. And it seems like it's a better solution. So this, there you go. So the, 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 the link will be off to GP Lama. And if you are looking for any sort of tech 
based advice with YouTube clips. Go check him out. His name's Shane Miller. Uh, he's got 184,000 subscribers on his channel. He does lots of really good stuff. He compares um, a lot of how-to stuff, like um, just little things like how to service your Wahoo kicker and just really simple step-by-step in- instructions uh, along with a lot of other tech sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, check it out. Okay, let's go to Pro of the, the Week. week. Okay, we're going Young Van Berkel, and he won Switzerland uh, last weekend, a couple weekends ago, uh, and he's officially retired. Yeah, so that was going to be, well, he may may still be doing more racing, but that was this is going to be his last season of racing, um, and is a name that often comes up, I'm surprised yeah. his ranking is only 121, he mustn't have done uh, a great deal of racing over the last little period. Yeah, 2022 didn't look like he did 2022 a 2022 was not, not a great year for him. Uh, he only really had, that's why his ranking so shit. He got second at Ironman Cozumel, but bombed out in Kona, bombed out at the World uh, Champs in St. George, and then had a DNF, so really didn't do much racing. And, and obviously through the COVID period, there wasn't a lot of racing either. But uh, So the, the PTO rankings are based on the last sort of 12-month period, so he hasn't got that many results. But he does now, his, his ranking will shoot up after this weekend because he has got three results. He's a bit of he's a bit of a John Newsom. He's got Johan Van Berkel and he's enjoyed a long and su- successful career so far since taking part his first triathlon in 1998 at the age of 12. Nice. That's pretty cool. Today he continues to showcase his prowess at the highest level. So, And I saw a picture of him at the finish of Ironman Switzerland last weekend, which he won, which we talked about on last week's show, with uh, Daniela Reef there. And I think they both started their journey together over 20, 20 years ago. Um, and he is a, he's not quite a Cameron Brown record. So Cameron Brown won Ironman New Zealand, I think, Nine? 11. Oh, I no, think no, it was 11 oh, times. Okay, yep. uh, but he's won Switzerland four times. Yep. He's been second twice and third twice as well. So, so far this season, won Ironman New Zealand, fin- uh, not, not Ironman New Zealand, won Ironman Switzerland, finished uh, third Ironman New Zealand. How far behind was he there? Uh, not far, I oh, don't know, where was he? Uh, no, he was a little bit behind. Mike Phillips took it out in 7.56, Braden Curry was 7.59, Jan Van Berkel um, beat Sebastian Kenley, ran, ran past him on the run, did an 8.10, swam 50, rode 4.32 and ran a 2.41. He's always been somebody that's always fairly consistently run really well, um, but often a bit distanced after the bike. A couple of little interesting facts. He was actually missed out on the 2012 Olympic Games by a matter of seconds in qualifying for his country. So he mm-hmm. ended up going, bugger this, I'm going to go long course. But his sister is also a very talented swimmer. So mm-hmm. uh, Martina, she swam for the Swiss Olympic team in the London and in Rio. Yeah. yeah, so his first uh, season of long course racing that they've got on the PTO, he finished second at Ironman Switzerland in 2012, uh, 13th in Ironman Arizona, never really succeeded at the, the World Championships, his highest ranking so was 11th. I think 11th, yeah. Um, and but yeah just a pretty consistent former one I mean Switzerland lots that's his, his bread and butter been out to New Zealand a few times he was here in 2018 as well uh, and so good luck to him for the rest of the season and good luck to him for his retirement one thing one thing you can say is if you can be the winner of your local race you could probably make a career mm. you know Cam Brown now Cam Brown had a stellar career outside of New Zealand as well but if he just kept winning New Zealand and do much outside of mm. that recognition and, and like a Switzerland where you get your homegrown sponsors yeah, on board. Yeah, you, you kind of, you know, you, you, I don't know how big a triathlon it is in Switzerland, but I imagine it's a bit Pretty like decent. New Zealand where, hmm. you know, you get a bit of exposure. I, would he be a household name in Switzerland? I don't know. Don't think so. I think Cameron would be pretty household. Yeah, in New Zealand. Yeah. But, but you got to think, you know, if you've got 
for Cam Brown's sponsor, you know, he, he had like this Ignite architects, yep. I think. Like if he goes and wins Ironman Germany, doesn't, not be, much get, <laughs> doesn't yeah. be much to them. Yeah. But for, for his local, when you're winning Ironman New Zealand, well, the plan is news. Who's going to call? Who are you going to call? You're going to yeah. call Cam Brown, you know, so totally. it's that exposure you get. And when I was looking at Jan van Berkel's uh, website, uh, he did look like he had a lot of uh, Swiss-based sponsors, unsurprisingly. Yeah, good on him. So good on him. His ranking's going to shoot up and um, uh, after those after that performance. Okay, John, we're going to do an interview, so we'll be back soon. And we are back. And so, John, that was the pro of the week. So let's do your quiz question. So who won Ironman Hawaii in 2020? 2020. I just randomly 2020. Up. Yep. Oh, wait a second. I thought we said 2000. Oh, no, I did say 2000. Sorry. T- yep. um, Tim DeBoom. You going Tim DeBoom? Because didn't he yeah. win 2021? Yeah. 20 and 201? Because when was 9-11? Uh, 201, wasn't it? Yeah. And he won that year. Right. Because I'm pretty sure he won that year. So I think we're going, it's, it's either Tim DeBoom or Peter Reid Peter Reed on the, the boys' side. So we're going, you're going Tim DeBoom? And then female, I'm going to go um, Batman. Batman was probably about 2000. Yeah, she was dominating through that time. Because then Chrissy came in the mid 2000s. Mm. So. Are you do you agree? Uh, I'm just thinking, Batman ran past Michaeli Jones the year I did it, which was 2004. Yeah, I'm pulling it up while you're talking. And I've got it. I'm ready to go. Uh, so I think I'm going to, in this case, I am going to go with you, with Badman and Tim DeBoon. Okay, 2000, Peter Reid. Ah. And Natasha Badman. Badman. Natasha Badman beat Laurie Bowden by three minutes. She was, oh, she was fading on the run. She ran a 3.19. Jeez. Destroyed it on the bike with a 5.06. Swam 58. Um, Laurie Bowden came home in a 3.04, finishing just under three minutes behind. On the boys' side, from the look of it, uh, pretty close racing. Tim DeBoom um, was second, and Peter Reid ran a 2.48 to finish an 8.21, two minutes ahead of Tim DeBoom, which was, yeah, pretty close racing. Uh, Norman Stadler that year was first off the bike. Um, Where I cocked up was um, I knew Tim DeBoom won two in a row, because he only won twice, and mm-hmm. he won two in a row. Mm-hmm. And did he actually do much out, outside of that? I got third in 99. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of didn't do anything else to that. Mm. You know, he's no top, no podium. We've interviewed him on Legends of Triathlon, so we should uh, go back and listen to that. Yeah. To but I knew he won two in a row, so I thought he won 2000 and then 2001. Mm. I knew he won the, the year that the 9-11 happened. Right. And then, obviously, he won the year after, so he won 2002 as well. And that was when Canberra got second in 2001. Yeah, I remember there was the three of them running along together, and the early part of the run was Tim DeBoom, Peter, oh, so uh, Cap- oh. Peter Reid, and... Cam Brown, they were running together, and then it must have split up. So Cam Brown faded. Uh, must have done. Yeah. I thought Cam always came from behind. Mm. I didn't think he was ever at the front of the pack. Uh, I think there was somebody off the front. It was probably Stadler oh, or okay. something like that. It was off the front. Thomas Hellregal. Thomas Hellregal. Yeah, there third. you go. Yeah. yeah. So it would have been him. Mm. Yeah. So Peter Reed won 88, 98, 2000, because he never won two in a row, did he? And then 2003. Mm. And he got fourth when Sedler was just miles ahead of us on the bike. Mm. Yeah, interesting stuff. Okay, uh, so there you go. That's the quiz question. Let me just go back to my little show notes here, Jombo. Um, Patrons. Okay, let's say thank you to our patrons of the, sh- of the show. Grant, the King of Swing, Richards. We've got Richard, King of the Castle, Morph. Well, what are you doing? Michael. Michael, Michael oh, King of the Castle, Richard. Morpeth. Because uh, the first one was Grant Richards. Okay. 
and Damien, the $100 bill, Bennett. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. It just supports the boys and what we do each week. It really, we really, really, really appreciate it. It's kind of the only way we make, make, make money from the show nowadays. Cover, so. cover the costs. <laughs> cover the costs. Uh-huh. Uh, if we're a part of your triathlon week, it's just a cool way you can support us. If you want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. Also, epiccamp.com if you want to check out one of his camps. For anything I do, bevanjamesisles.com. Uh, any content, just send it to iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. What should you cost, John? Well, hopefully by the time we get into this, I'll be sort of easing back into the swing of some general fitness. Um, but it's going to be that phase where I'm just going to be ticking over. Do you have total time off? Like a post-rote, did you do like nothing? Oh, the, the two weeks post-rote. Basically nothing. That was holiday time. Did a couple of. Uh, what I like doing is doing some tourist jogs around cities. So I'll get yeah, on to get on to Garmin, uh, not Garmin, on to ride with GPS. I'll plot a route around um, the place we're staying, and I'll go for a run. So we, I did that, and uh, we were staying in a place called Heracleon, which was on Crete. So I plotted out a route around town. Um, just got to be careful with toilets <laughs> when you're doing oh, those. Yeah, I did a really early morning run because it was really hot. I was failing to find a toilet that was getting uh, it was getting pretty <laughs> des- getting very stressful and desperate at the end, especially when I went down this. I was running along this uh, city wall, uh, and then it came to a dead end, and so I had to backtrack all the way. And I was like on the limit. I was oh like, oh my no. god, I've got to get back to the car. Uh, and then I did, we did a similar one. I did one with Belinda in Athens, and that was really cool. We got up really early yeah. and did a lap around and went up the highest. Um, climb in the area uh, and just gave this amazing views um, so it's just a cool way to see the city sites especially early morning like Athens just is heaving with people I reckon that, like unfortunately I can't run at the moment but my one of my favourite part of being a tourist is Joe and I because we always wake up early mm. and waking watching a city wake up you know, and going for a run, you know, just a casual run, you might stop and look, as you're doing, as you say, a tourist run, and you, you know, you're watching a city come alive, and you, you, oh, yeah, it's one of the best parts of running, I reckon. But like in Athens, you're, like, you're running past the path yeah, of course. And all these places. Was, I remember uh, last time we were in Paris, cool. we just were going for a run, and then mm. we didn't even know where we were, and you just turned the corner, and there's the awful tower, and you just think, how cool is that? So, so easing back in a bit of exercise, no particular structure, so swim set of the week will be coming back. Uh, so if all you people have been disappointed about that over the last month, it's coming back. Uh, other than that, Bevan, school holidays will be over by now, which is great. And what I did last week, and uh, bought a bought a new car. Just oh, did a, you? A, well, just a, we had to get Thomas got his driver's license. So he gets your car. Um, well, no, we're buying a little sort of a more of a beep beep car, you yep. know, a little one for around town. But we want to get a manual so he can learn the manual. Yep. Gave him his first driving lesson the other day. How was that? He was okay. Scary. That was in a it was a, in, in an automatic, so it was okay. Yep. It's going to be the shock of his life driving a manual. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the judder, oh, the judder. It's yeah. actually quite scary when you're teaching your kids to drive. Like I remember teaching Tyler because they just have no perception of space, mm. you know, so they don't really know where the car is. And I remember we went around just around the bottom of the hill here, actually, just around there, and um, driving around, and you're just shit scared. And one thing I was thinking of, because our new car doesn't have a handbrake. Right. It's got that automatic just button for yeah. a handbrake. And I was thinking, how are you going to teach kids to drive? Because like when Tyler was driving, I, my my grip on my handbrake <laughs> yeah, was, was like I'm just, like I'm trying to kill, what it, squeeze somebody's neck to death. But my, I'm trying to look relaxed, yeah. and my tone was, "Oh, you do really well," but my grip on my handbrake was pretty <laughs> high. Well, we went to a residential area for the first time because it, it was in, a, in an automatic. He was fine. Yeah. But when we're doing the first few drives in the manual, we're going off the grid oh, somewhere because uh, it was horrendous. I can't imagine what it must be like when we were learning to drive, just getting that clutch. Who taught you? 
Um, I must remember Dad. I don't really remember, but you know, it was definitely Dad. And I had some lessons along the way. But just getting that timing with the clutch yeah. and the handbrake. We're, our driveway, we're on the bottom of a hill. Yep. It's an uphill driveway. So every time you come out, yeah. you're going to have to do a handbrake start. The neighbours are going to be get waking up with the bloody revving at five o'clock in the morning when we go swimming. Uh, but it's going to be good times. What would you pay for the car? <laughs> I have got to go in a couple of minutes, but it was an interesting one. So it was a private sale. Yep. Buying it off an old guy. It's one car, one one owner. You know, one lady it. driver. Yeah. It was a lady. He was selling it on behalf of his wife. Yep. Um, they bought it. You know, it's a car. It was twenty. It's a 2014 car. It's listed on Trade Me. It sort of ticked all the boxes. It was yep. like it was a bit more than what I wanted to pay for a first car. But we thought, oh, we don't. Cars yeah. are way more expensive than they used to be. Yeah, yeah. And it was listed for nine thousand two hundred fifty all near offer. Yeah. You two offered two. <laughs> <laughs> and that was actually really good value because okay. I looked it up and I thought that's actually for that car is really really good. And so we, we went for the test drive, came back, and and Belinda was doing the communication, and so. I, I kind of became the, the, the bad guy yeah, in the negotiations. Cop, cop, yeah. And so he wanted a 9250 and we sort of looked and I, we sent him, I sent him a message on Belinda's phone pretending to be Belinda saying, we'll offer you 8,500. He comes back and goes, I'm not going to let it go for less than 9,000. I think that's a really good offer. And then I put another po- reply back and said, I've had a chat to John, and he, say, he says, how about we <laughs> he says, I'll meet you in the middle, 8,750. And I was thinking he's probably not going to go for that because I was happy to pay nine grand. And then, uh, and then he comes back. We do eight thousand eight hundred. We've got a deal <laughs> done. done. <laughs> and Belinda was mortified because I was like negotiating, and it's like, well, I saved us some money there. Uh, oh, I love negotiation. Yeah, oh, not taking anything less than nine thousand, and, and I was happy to go there, but got him down. Got him down. It's funny that, isn't it, the negotiation. One thing I, I was reading about negotiation recently is you don't always have to meet them halfway. So um, so let's say they say, I want 50000 for my house, and you say forty. and they say, okay, uh, 48, and you go, you know, people always make the next jump a halfway jump, mm. and then you go, no, no, okay, 40, 500. And yeah. so you, you make your jump small. Right. Yeah, it was, it was, I never thought of that way, but anyway. I will wrap it up because I know you've got to rust, rock and roll. So I'm in Bali right now. I'm Ooh, by the pool. Nice. Working on my tent. I, I didn't put the heater on this morning. I forgot to put the heater on. <laughs> it's pretty cold in here right yeah. now. So contrast next week. When you guys are listening to this, I'm hot. Not cold like we are right now. I'll, yeah. I'll lend you my little hat. My oh, hat. Oh, yeah, we, 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 you can do that. I'll be <laughs> cool in Bali. My hat while I'm by the pool. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I mean, don't train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.